Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This week I'm doing an interview with a buddy that I met on a Twitter. His name is Steve Austin. He wrote a book, and today we're going to discuss one of his chapters. I also have Libby on the podcast again this week, so be prepared to hear her serenading voice on the podcast on episode 56, I believe. Pilgrims of Prodigals podcast. Enjoy. few days have been a little crazy <laughs> well usually when you're about to release a book you know you want to right. hype on that yeah it span. happens yeah <laughs> which by the way I, I i read chapter two and i am digging it man i feel like this is me like oh yeah. good i'm glad if, to hear if that. i wrote a book like this is exactly almost how i'd write it oh very cool except for the fact i don't have kids yet but you know <laughs> <laughs> it's okay take your time take your time oh yeah <laughs> Anyways, uh, this is uh, Libby. She's another occasional co-host on the podcast who gets on Hello. once in a while. Hi, Libby. Hey. <laughs> the majority of the time... Okay, so I've, I'm on every episode. I've been on every episode of the podcast. I pretty much started this thing, and I have run every episode of it, but I have co-hosts that will be on everyone like ben's on some of them nate's on some of them libby's on some of them you know cool so on so forth but anyways uh it's really it's really good to have you on here man well i'm thrilled to be here thank you so much yeah you're probably the uh uh the biggest person we've had on here for sure i mean we've had one blogger on here and she's really cool but I mean, I, I really like your stuff, man. Like this book is. Well, thank you. This book is really good. I've been reading into it, and it's it's awesome, man. I gotta say. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. That means a lot. Yeah. So, uh, so are we? You want to get into uh, chapter two? That's what I've been digging sure. into, right? I will do whatever you want. Absolutely, that sounds great. All right. Well, you know, uh, I'm really digging chapter two. That's one of the ones that you threw out there. Um, and as a kind of like as a, a side note before we actually get into it, um, sure. in my life recently, um, I've been in a very hardcore, like deconstruction mode. Um, okay. and I feel like this last week, and that's why this chapter has hit me so hard this week, this yeah. last week, I feel like I am, I am just now getting into a spot where I'm getting in more of a... Instead of a deconstruction, more of a reconstruction mindset where it's like, sure. okay, I know, um, which by the way, you are free. I know, I don't know, um, I haven't read a lot of your book. I don't know how much you cuss in it or in your personal life or whatever, but you say- <laughs> I cuss much more in real life than in the book. <laughs> okay. Well, I will let you know. You say, you have full access to say whatever the hell you want on the podcast. All right. Very good. Whatever you say, I guarantee we've said. So- <laughs> yeah. Very good. So. I, I'm not a- I'm not a cusser just because, uh, exactly. but you know, sometimes it just works. Sometimes there's, there's nothing more, uh, eloquent, I think than a perfectly placed F bomb. So exactly. <laughs> it gets the emotion across, you know, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> so anyways, I've, I've recently, um, transitioned myself into more of a reconstruction type mindset where I have 
I think I need to turn my volume up a little bit. Uh, do I sound good on your guys' end? Perfect to me. Yeah, yep. I got you. All right, mm-hmm. cool. So I personally have been this week switching over into more of a reconstruction type mindset where, you know, I know all the stuff I don't believe. I know there was a lot of like, you know, BS that we came out of in our old church, which, uh, you know, if we get into that in this podcast, we do. If not, no big deal. I mainly just want to talk about this chapter because there's a lot to dig into that what you've said. And I really like a lot of it. Um, cool. all, all of it. Um, but this, this chapter has really hit me, hit me, um, at home because everything you're talking about, especially like with the, uh, Christian agnostic type yeah. type attitude. Yeah. I really dig that, man. I've been trying for so long to figure out what I, am I an angry theist? Am, am I, <laughs> am I just a, like a pissed off Christian? Am I not yeah. a Christian? Like I've literally been trying to figure out what I believe and if I believe at all. Yeah. So hearing this term and, and the, uh, the phrase that I don't know who the lady that you were quoting, she said, um, I want to explore unanswerable questions with an open mind instead of approaching them with dismissive, uh, derision or with Mm -hmm. the solemn piety of timid steps and bowed head. I thought that was so, that's so real. That's like some, uh, uh, like A.W. Tozer stuff right there. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. She's brilliant. That, her book, Agnostic, uh, it's called Agnostic, A Spirited Manifesto, um, Leslie Hazelton. And yeah, that book is fan. It's so good because in all of my interactions growing up as this, fundamental church goer, fundamental Christian. Um, Jesus is the answer. We worship the Bible. The Bible uh, has all of the answers and it's the inherent, infallible yeah. word of God, you know? Exactly. And man, I, we would, so we went every Friday night, the youth group, um, we would go to the mall in Birmingham and we would witness and pass out tracks and, you know, try there. to get people saved. Right. <laughs> exactly. And and the worst thing, the worst thing that a lifelong church going Christian bubble, you know, kid can do is encounter an agnostic or an atheist. <laughs> I know. Like, at the mall or God in forbid public. You don't have the answers. Yeah, you don't have the answers. They're much smarter than you. They've read it all. They've studied it all. Yeah. They know way more than you do. And But that's the picture I had in my mind is this angry, sort of angry atheist. And I thought, well, I'm not that. And reading her book, oh my goodness, and several other things, but that her book especially um, stands out in my mind because it's this gracious sort of just let's just have a conversation and admit that none of us have it figured out that we all have questions we all have doubts and that's okay well before before i was a christian and libby if at any point you want to chime in on anything you can but i i will i will talk for hours on any point just so both (laughs) of you guys know before before i was a christian i definitely marked myself as an agnostic you know, I always believed like, you know, staring up at the sky at night, you know, growing up in the culture we do, you know, you have to believe that there's something bigger. We yeah. live in like a civilized culture where we're not just trying to survive. We're not just trying to get by. We've got to look, be able to look into ourselves and understand like there has got to be something 
bigger than myself. And for me, that's what I was as an agnostic. You know, I, I believed, I, I didn't necessarily believe in the Christian God, but I was like, you know, staring up at the stars, I thought, man, there's so much complexity to everything, so much order, so much, you know, order in the chaos that there has to be something behind it. And, you know, feeling such a, even as an agnostic, I felt a connection to something, even if at the time I didn't know what it was. But after become a, becoming a Christian, you know, I, I had more of a, felt like I had more of an understanding, you know, learning about Jesus and, you know, forming a relationship with him as what it, what it means to be a Christian. So this term Christian agnostic, it's like combining the two places I've been in my life and marrying them in such like a beautiful way. That's like, of course that makes sense. <laughs> of course it does. Yeah, it's it makes sense for me because I've always been this guy who's in the middle, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm right there uh, you with know, you. Yeah, and not not having all the answers and being okay with that. Um, being a – I'm an Alabama fan and a family full of Auburn fans. Okay. Uh, I'm – not a hunter <laughs> and you know i'm in i'm in the middle of alabama where camo is sort of our you know that's like the state color or something i don't <laughs> yeah, know yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so i just understanding what it is to not fit in all the time um is a very familiar place for me yeah and so yeah the the definition that i include in the book when we're talking about an agnostic um is a person who holds neither of two opposing positions on a topic. And when you look at our world, especially the Western world today, every hill is a hill to die on. You know, every we fight over it all and we demonize the other person. And that's just always been really gross for me. I socially, I'm extremely liberal but fiscally i'm pretty progressive yeah and boy so you know people say oh so you know well what what do you you know politics and blah blah blah, blah." it's like you know i just i don't even want to get into all that because i can see both sides of most situations um and boy you want to piss people off don't have a definite answer don't pick sides don't choose to fight (laughs) one thing that i heard on the political side of that, of the whole conservative liberal argument is I, uh, there's a guy, there's a guy I follow on YouTube and he says that when you're talking about just liberals, not necessarily like leftists, like the far out or the alt-right, which is like the, you know, super conservative the other way, there is a need for, and I won't go on too long on this rabbit trail. I I get into politics a lot, but I, I won't go into it on this podcast, but there's a need for a healthy balance. And I think we can kind of transition this into the church, right? Um, so sure. in politics itself, you have conservative and you have liberal. And those two things balance each other out. You know, liberal on the aspect of, you know, helping the well-being of the whole nation itself. And then conservative on, you know, the free market society, you know, competition type aspect. Those two things balance each other out. And when it comes to morals, too. So if we can find a way in the church to not have such a starch um, opinion on every aspect and be able to look at things and say, okay, you look at it this way, 
I look at it this way. This guy looks at it that way. Let's agree to disagree. Let's talk about it. Let's understand each other. I mean, if we can reach that type of discussion, I feel like things would be a lot better. But um, yep. specifically with like denominationalism and stuff, I mean, I've opened up so many rabbit rabbit trails. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so before we actually get into uh, anything, uh, so where are you from, man? Obviously, you said you're from Alabama. Yeah, uh-huh. Birmingham, Alabama. That's right. Birmingham, man. Uh, what's around there? What do you guys What do you guys do for fun, Birmingham? You know what? We are Alabama's a football state. It's it's all football. Oh, yeah. It's all roll tide. <laughs> nice, man. Um, so you guys, you said you guys do a lot of hunting and stuff too. Uh, a lot of people do. I'm not a hunter at all, but a lot of people do. Yeah, I've got a buddy who's really into hunting. He actually. He just spent $900. We're from Indiana, by the way. He just Oh, okay. He, I'm uh, in Indiana today. <laughs> oh, perfect. We're uh, around the Indianapolis area. I'm not sure where you're oh, at. Oh, but... I'm, I'm just south of you. I'm in Martinsville right now. Oh, perfect. Huh? Actually, yeah. I, I work in Indianapolis. I work, with, I work with AT&T, and I'm in that area, that vicinity every day. So, Yeah, very cool. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I have a buddy. He just spent close to a thousand bucks i mean oh probably over a thousand if you're counting arrows and arrowheads and all that shit on you know bought a brand new compound compound bow all that stuff and uh he's planning on bagging a deer this year and uh it's gonna be the biggest hunt he's ever had because he traps a lot and does like small game and stuff like that but he hasn't done anything super huge but very cool yeah just a little uh that's Hunting tidbit there. So, anyway. You got some libs? No. (laughs) I was saying it's not very cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, let's uh, let's get into it, man. So, the first topic that that you talk about, which I I really like. By the way, I, I love this whole chapter. And reading yeah. the, reading this chapter, I really want to get into the into the entire book because it is <laughs> is really good. I'm I'm definitely good. That's the goal, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. When, when you release this book, let me know because I want to buy a copy just to support you. Like I well, know you, you sent a PDF file and everything, but I really like your work just from this one chapter, and it's something that I believe like for any content creator right whether it's music books podcast whatever it is like if i can support someone in any way i mean i i will whether it's just a subscribe button on youtube or something like that you know something really simple that doesn't even cost money if you can support if you can support someone in a way that helps them that promotes them i will always advise that so you uh send me a tweet whenever you actually release your book and i well it is it's available, just so you know, it's available for pre-order now on Amazon. So it, it releases uh, in three Mondays on the 22nd of October. Uh, but the book is available for pre-order, paperback or ebook on Amazon right now. There you go, everybody. Right now. Go pre-order that. Right now. Pause this. Pause the podcast. All right, we'll continue <laughs> in a second. Go to Amazon. Go to wherever else and go pre-order it. All right. I definitely am going to. Good. 
<laughs> I haven't book. seen like anything it. that describes so well kind of what Keith and I came out of the same church and kind of have been going through the same process over the past couple of years and um, haven't read anything that was so relevant, you know, to that whole deconstruction sort of and, and constructing kind of um, phase. Yeah. Well, I feel like thank you very much. There's a I'm lot of people. To hear that. There's a lot of people that I feel like are doing it on the the podcast level. I mean, you've got, you know, on a small scale what we're doing, but bigger scale you've got, you know, the Holy Heretics. You've got um, the Bad Christian Podcast, which is probably the biggest one out there. You've got people who are doing this whole deconstruction, reconstruction type thing on the podcast level. But as far as books go. I don't see a lot of millennials who are even interested enough in religion anymore to even want to segue into this. So I personally respect you, and I, I think it's an amazing thing that you're doing with this book. So um, I feel like for Christianity to have any relevance in the future, this kind of segue has to happen. Almost, I look at this book almost as like the 95 theses of like, the millennial generation, right? Like, <laughs> well, that's very kind. Thank you. Yeah. So jumping into it, um, the first point you make, you talk about, uh, you know, your boy making his Legos and stuff like that, which is, it's a really cute story. And then you're talking about uh, yourself feeling like a square peg trying to be put into the round hole of Christianity. You know, you got your rough edges, you've got your questions. And I think me and both Libby can relate with you on that that we've both had those experiences where like our beliefs or our thoughts or like how we act or talk or whatever doesn't really sum up to what you know christian being a christian is supposed to look like so i don't know if you can elaborate more on that i'll give you the floor on that for a while talking about um just that whole first part of the chapter there um just your inspiration behind that what what you were trying to, uh, you know, bring across. Yeah. You know, larger than, than just this chapter in the book, it is, this chapter is, I think the most important in the book. Um, it is, it's my favorite chapter because everything else sort of hinges on this idea of being a spiritual misfit. And it's funny, just, um, it's, I say it's funny. It's sort of sad. Just last week, um, received this just scathing email uh, from a lady who started following my work on uh, the blog and um, videos I share on Facebook and things like that. She has been following me for a couple of months. And for the last couple of months, I have pretty much only been talking suicide prevention. But anybody that's followed me for the last 10 years knows that I'm much more than just the suicide prevention guy, um, very much a heretic. Uh, John Scott of the Holy Heretics is a good friend of mine. And, really? Um, yeah, yeah. And um, my, my dear friends um, on, the Holy, uh, on the Inglorious Pastors uh, podcast Those are, are really you know, cool yeah. yeah, they're great. They're crazy and they're wonderful. I love them. Um, <laughs> But uh, that's why I'm I'm here in Martinsville. I'm hanging out with them this week, and I'm going to be on their show here in a couple of days. But um, you know, that's the world I hang out in. Is this sort of heretical um, edge of Christianity, if that? And um, you know, plenty of people who read the 
spiritual stuff or the religious stuff that I write um, would already call me a heretic or maybe not even a Christian. But this particular lady um, was new to the game and had only <laughs> seen my my mental health advocacy work. And so she wrote me this scathing email uh, because I'd shared a, a few – I'd retweeted a few things on Twitter last week um, with this whole Kavanaugh thing and um not a fan of our president at all whatsoever and i have been extremely clear about that um and so i retweeted a couple of things last week and i hadn't really been political in a couple of months and oh my gosh this lady wrote me a novel just telling me that i i couldn't have my views against the president and also call myself a Christian. And, oh, it was just, you're not a man was, of God. If you're not okay with the president. Yeah. Right. You got to pray for our, <laughs> pray for our president. You know, it was, oh, it was terrible. And obviously he was so, picked by God. Obviously. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. God, it was God the Lord's will. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, so I, you know, I went back to this chapter, um, and I said, man, I gotta, I gotta revisit this thing because, <laughs> I'm so much more than just the suicide prevention guy, the mental health ally. Yeah. My views are very diverse when it comes to faith and politics, and um, I'm way more than a Sunday morning Christian. And so um, I needed to remind people that. So I wrote a new uh, blog last week, and you can go check it out on the website. It's imsteveaustin.com, um, and it's called The Truth About My Ever-Evolving Faith. Uh-huh. But the gist of it, I'm not going to read you the blog, but the gist of it is so much of what this chapter is about, that when I woke up in an ICU hospital room six years ago last month after— Which, if you want to get into that, feel free to, because I, I was kind of interested. I saw a couple little tidbits about that throughout this chapter, and if you want to get into that at all, please feel free. You got as, sure. much, you got as much time in the world on this podcast as you want. Thank you. Um but yeah, I so I nearly died by suicide six years ago, and waking up from that, I'm there in an ICU room. I can't feel my legs. I'm numb from the waist down. They don't know if my liver's going to make it. I did everything I knew to do to try to die. I was miserable, hated myself, hated my life, um, full of shame, untreated mental illness, and I was just in a living hell. Yeah. And when I woke up and realized that um, I had not died. Uh, I said, man, if I'm going <laughs> to, if I'm still going to be, I was, oh, I was so angry. Um, so if, if I'm still here, if I'm going to do this thing, um, everything's got to change exactly. and I've got to move away from this God of fear and judgment and vindication and anger and retribution. If there is a God, that can't be it. Um, and that's the God I was raised under this God. You know, we say God is love, but if you don't do exactly what that God of love says, you're going to burn an eternal conscious torment exactly. forever. Yeah. And that's, so one the, that's one of the things that I, and just to interrupt you just for a quick second, then you continue your story. That's one of my biggest things that I disagree with, with Christianity is this. I do not believe in an eternal hell. And, and even like me saying now that I am a Christian I don't know what that means. I don't know what the afterlife is an aspect of that. I don't know how that changes things, but I cannot believe that a God can put an infinite amount of torture on a finite amount of sin. It just, it blows my mind the fact that people can believe that. And and if someone does, it's okay. 
But I mean, it's just my opinion. I just don't yeah. see that as a logical answer for what's supposed to be the most logical being that's ever existed. Yeah. You know, I was raised with, with that God, that God of fear, the God of punishment, um, scared to death of God yeah. and praying every night, God save me. Don't let me die and, you know, go to hell. I you know, I mean, what's the worst a 13 year old can do? My God, you know, <laughs> right. um, look at, but, porn. oh man, <laughs> like, right. Yeah. So, so waking up after that suicide attempt, I said, I've got to let go of all this. I've got to, for the first time in my life, tell the truth, ask for help, yeah. accept myself, stop hating myself, allow God, if that is a thing, this God of love to change me, to cast out the fear in my heart, to allow me to embrace myself, the whole of me, imperfections and all, for the very first time in my life. And so that is, you know, the past six years, and that's what this book is a product of, are the last six years of recovering from the very worst day of my life. I was, you know, I was a youth pastor. I'd been serving in ministry for 10 years and still tried to die by suicide. So this book is sort of calling bullshit on all that and yeah. saying, you know, you, and, and it is, it's spreading a larger table. So my first book from pastor to a psych ward is my journey. It's the journey that led up to trying to die by suicide. And it's the year of recovery afterward and recovery obviously has gone on for years after that, but it's that first year. And, and so that book was very much Jesus centric. It was very Christian and it was all about mental health. This book is a way to say, you know, there in my talks and journey and life coaching and speaking around the country, I'm constantly meeting people who say, but I don't have a diagnosis. I'm not depressed. I'm not anxious. I don't, I'm not bipolar. I don't have PTSD, but I'm totally stressed out. I'm completely overwhelmed. I'm worn the fuck out out and I don't know what to do to take that next step to get my life back. I feel like I'm drowning and all these answers the church is giving me to just pray harder, to just, if you just read your Bible more, just show up for small group, it's not working. So what do I do? So this book is a way to say, embrace your faith, whatever that looks like. Embrace your spirituality. If, if you're one of those people, but let's talk about some practical ways exactly. to get your life back too. And I just did you an, can do both. <laughs> I just did an episode a couple weeks ago. I interviewed a guy from the UK. Uh, he does a podcast called the Mind Shift Podcast. I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, I was on it. Oh, he's a great guy. Yeah, yeah, he's super cool. I just started connecting with him a couple weeks ago. Um, but he was. We we had a really good conversation about that. How you go into church and. You know, you're struggling with depression, you're struggling with sin or whatever it is, and the church's answer is just, just pray it away, pray the sin away, pray the depression away, you know, God's just going to heal you, but they don't give you any logical answers of how the hell you're going to fix that. It's just, okay, uh, just just pray and it'll be better. Let's not, don't talk about it. No, we're in front of the altar, we're at church, we don't talk about that kind of shit. Yep. You know, it's like, no, let's re- let's... Let's dig into it. Let's figure this out. Let's come up with a with logical reasoning. And that's one of the things that pushed me so far away from God is that 
you know, from the church, you know, I air quote that, the church aspect of it, you know, there's no logical reasoning behind anything. It, it's it's all just this uh, supernatural, beyond human reasoning, God's going to do all these miraculous things, and, and there's no reasoning behind anything. And those that that's still some of the stuff that I'm ha- finding myself having to come to term with, um, especially coming back to a, I was I was at a place for a while, man, just being honest with you, where I didn't believe in God at all. I, I didn't. I mean, I we came out of a really rough church situation where we were fed a lot of bullshit, told a lot of lies. There was a lot of uh, nepotism. There was a lot of control situations going on a lot of false theology that I didn't agree with, um, false teaching, which I don't even call it false, te- whatever. They were teaching their own thing that didn't line up with my life, um, that I didn't agree with. And for me, it was a lot of spiritual answers and not a lot of logical, reasonable answers. And that's something that really threw me away from God for a long time. Is this, you know, if you've got a problem in your life, God's just going to answer it. And, there's no logical reasoning. So for the longest time, I was looking into like, you know, anthropology and I was looking into evolutionary science and different stuff like that. And a lot of stuff that still really does make sense. And on a logical perspective, I really do find myself more agreeing with if it wasn't for the fact that this damn God has interacted with me and now I believe in him. <laughs> like now I believe yeah. in God and, you know, I don't say damn God like, oh, this stupid God, but I say it more of in a joking manner. Like, yes, I believe in God. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that does make sense. But now that, you know, God has interacted with me, I know him. Um, and, th- and that's what I really and I'm going to jump a few points and get into this everyday spirituality thing that you talked about. You know, that's that's a kind of God that I want to interact with. That's a God that I want to know. You know, this this God that interacts with me on a day-to-day basis and not just on a uh, every Sunday religious kind of aspect, but a God that I can interact with on a day-to-day basis, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's such a classic millennial look at faith and spirituality and the church um, yeah. today. I'm an... Uh, an older millennial, but still fall in that um, generation. And yeah, that's it for us. It's, you know, I, I'd like to engage with faith. I would even show up at church if you didn't expect me to check my brain at the door. If, you know, if Sunday school curriculum didn't feel so disconnected from real life, if it wasn't come and sing a few songs, listen to three points that are totally disconnected from what's going on in society. Uh, You know, I go and sit at my church every week and we never talk about social justice. We never talk about women and abuse and, you know, all these things that are going on that are in our news feeds all day long. And we go to church and we, it's, it's like, we think we're immune from all this stuff. And so we sit there and for me, I sit there and go, this is pointless. Like, well, I, there's so I could be sleeping for another hour on Sundays. I'm freaking tired. You know, why am yeah, I right. here? And I'm not anti-church. We go to church fairly regularly. I, my pastor is a dear friend of mine, but 
we go to this particular church because, oh my gosh, we actually talk about things that matter. But that's so rare. Um, there are a few churches uh, doing it well, but most churches, I would dare to say, and you can hate me, but most churches aren't doing it well. So, um, yeah, this everyday spirituality for me is I need to know that my story matters in the big scheme of things. I need emotional safety. I need to connect with people who are tired of doing this sort of bullshit dance of performance. And, you know, I want my, I need my pastor's approval and I need, you know, people in the church to tell me I'm good enough or be proud. It's like, nah, I don't need all that. If, if I just know that my journey matters, that I'm allowed to have faith and doubt in the same breath. Yeah. You know, um, man, if I can show up and say this week fucking sucked and I love Jesus in the next breath, like if we can just be real, let's be, if we can just pull back all the layers and just be, that's what people are desperate for honesty. They're desperate for authenticity. And those are buzzwords in the church. Uh-huh. But we're not seeing them. We talk about, you know, oh, we're just going to do life together. How many churches across America? Oh, we're doing life together. No, we're not. Exactly. <laughs> no, we're not doing life together. That, was that our, is bull. That was our old church. You're doing life together as long as you're going with the pastor's regiment. Yeah. If it's black and white and you stick with it and you agree with what we say, then we're doing life together. But you get one little step out of sync with everybody else. If you don't dress like us, act like us, vote like us, think like us, then you're not welcome anymore. We're not doing life together anymore. And I'll tell you that, dude. I will attest to that 100% because uh, me and my wife in our particular circumstance, there was a lot of stuff going on with our church. Um, a lot of nepotistic stuff, family first stuff, and everyone else was kind of like, you know, there there were stuff there was stuff that would happen that other people would be ruled out of leadership, permanently banned from the church, whatever. But their family would make mistakes to that degree or higher, and they were just it was just kind of like, oh, just don't do it again, oh, take a little break or whatever, and you're good, you'll 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 get back there. And we would address situations like that, like nepotism, or we would talk about like theology or like for me personally, this is something that I know a lot of people just don't really care about to talk about. But like tithe, I don't understand how that found its its way into the New Testament. Um, I don't know if you agree with it or not, but I personally don't think the 10 percent air quote is really like the New Testament like definition of tithe but the thing with that happened with our church right we had a lot of questions that came up the second we started disagreeing with theology with our church or the way things were ran with our church was the second that that dissension began and then the second we started attacking the family the second that we started going against what the church stood for apparently you know because we started thinking for ourselves yeah. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's okay. if you've been spoon-fed, if you follow exactly what we think in our very closed-minded, very tiny, very narrow worldview, 
you're okay. Yeah, I don't give a shit about tithe. Let me tell you something. If I see someone in need and I have the means to meet exactly. that need, if that's paying a power bill or buying some bags of groceries and taking it to their house, Jesus is much more concerned with that than whether I'm paying the pastor's salary. You know what? Right. Go out and get a job just like I got. Exactly. It, it just, no, I'm not going to, no, I'm not, no, I'm not a tither at all whatsoever. No, I do not put money in the collection plate. No, that was a, a mandate in order to be in leadership yeah. in our old church. You have Oh yeah, to- there was a church that we were involved in years ago, or we were going to be involved in years ago, and we sat down to have the church launch meeting, and they wanted to know everyone's income from last year's income tax return and, and what you shit. were going to be contributing. Yeah. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. It's <laughs> unthinkable. There is no Jesus in whatsoever. So right. basically we're saying we're going to start a business and you're investors and we want to know how much you're going to invest. Exactly. That's not a church. Exactly. Yeah. Anything you oh want to input on that Libby? I know I've been I've been talking a lot. Anything you want to say out of you know all the stuff that we No. I'm I'm just listening. This is great. Yeah, no. I agree. <laughs> Perfect. 100%. Uh one thing that I really like that you said you pose this question, and to you it may not have been a big thing, but to me this question, especially me going into more of a reconstructing reconstruction step. Sorry, I've had a couple glasses of whiskey tonight. Um, <laughs> going into more of a reconstruction mindset myself, this question, will I ever be able to go to church again? Oh, yeah, that's not a tiny question. No, that was a huge question. That we were coming home blew, from the psych mind. ward. I'd been in ICU, like I said, for three days. I'd spent a week on the psych ward. My wife drove two hours to pick me up, and we're driving home, and I can see the interstate signs going overhead through the windshield. I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and that's like the biggest thing for I'm going, what does tomorrow look like? Yeah. I've been in the hospital for, what, 10 days, and what does tomorrow look like? And i got to find a job. You know, I've been, I've been doing this church work thing, and – and I was concerned not about me back. Yeah. having a youth pastor job. I was concerned with, am I ever going to be welcome just as a human being exactly. in the church again? Because the world I grew up in was, I was raised Pentecostal, assemblies of God. It was, you know, Holy Ghost and healing and prayers of faith. And so there was yeah. never talk of mental health. Mental illness was equated with demon possession. And yeah. so it's why I never talked about it. It's why I never got help. It's why I never asked for help because I thought, no, I know what you people do when somebody comes to an altar call and says, I'm dealing with depression and that's some scary shit. So I'm not telling anybody. Right. So yes, can I, am I ever going to be welcome in the church again was a huge question for me. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's huge. And for me, I mean, coming from your, from your, I don't hear you. I don't know if you can hear me, but you froze up there. Can you hear me now? Yep. There we go. Perfect. So from your aspect of like, will I be welcome in the church again, coming from that Pentecostal state? That's a whole nother question itself. But for me, like, will I ever be able to go to church and again, be able to go to church again? Not like, will I be able to, will they let me, but will I let myself, will I be able to? Sure. And that's kind of where I'm coming from with that question. And uh, I don't know, man. Even now going 
you know, being a mindset in a mindset of like, you know, I want God again. I'm okay with whatever God wants for my life, but I don't, I'm not going to start reading my Bible again every day. I'm not going to start praying every day. I'm not going to start going to church every Sunday and Wednesday and sometimes Tuesday nights. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to get back into that Christianese mindset of like what it means to be a Christian. So will I be able to go to church again? I don't know. On a consistent basis, at least. Like, I'm okay with visiting, but will Mm -hmm. I ever find my... In the church that we were a part of before, um, you know, I was a worship leader. I was a youth leader. Um, And and Libby, she was a youth leader, and she was on the worship team and all kinds of stuff, too. Um, So coming from a spot where leadership was such a prominent role to have in the church, but seeing how negative of, of an effect it had on people... Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, can I see myself being a part of that again? And honestly, if I'm answering that, I honestly, I would have to say no. I I don't, I don't think at this point in my life, I would be willing to subject myself to that type of scenario again, because I, I don't think it was healthy. I think there, maybe there are some church leadership. I think that I get it right. I think it's, we don't know what it looks like when it is healthy. I know for me, that's kind of when he was talking about, he's in a good church now and they go, but that's really rare. Like, I don't know what that looks like. What a, what a good church situation at this point would even look like. I think it looks like any healthy organization, any healthy family. I think it looks like you can bring your friends there. And that means your black friends, your gay friends, your transgender friends, your atheist friends. You know, it, it if if my friends are safe there, I'll go. But if I got look people, I got more gay friends than I have straight friends. And if I can't bring my friends and them feel safe there, I don't want anything to do with it. Exactly. And that's like I've talked about that on a podcast a couple couple podcasts ago that we did. And the thing is a church look, a church doesn't even necessarily have to agree that a person's lifestyle is even right. But as long as that person feels accepted, that's what matters. When a person can walk into a church and immediately feel the shun, they can feel the rejection, they can feel the awkwardness. How is that person supposed to feel closer to God? They don't. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. And that that's the thing about Christianity, right? Take your stance on something if you want. But the thing is we have to be able to say other lifestyles exist and those people have to – if we want people to know God, other people have to feel welcome other than this, this kind of uh, – uh, whatever form fitting thing we're trying to push people into, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it church today has become this sort of outward behavioralism. Um, it's this moralistic thing, um, where it's all about behavior. And yeah. so, yeah, my thing, um, Libby is what does it look like? It looks like I need to walk in on a Sunday morning and be met with acceptance and unconditional love. And if I'm met with anything else, I'm not going. Yeah. I don't want to be a part of it. Jesus said, come as you are, period. And so churches do a great job of that usually for about the first two weeks. We say, come just as you are. 
Right. And within like two weeks, right. we're giving you responsibility and jobs and all this stuff. And we're expecting you to start, you know, maybe you're going to need to cut your hair. You're going to need to cover up those tattoos or, oh, you can't smoke in the parking lot. You know, we're, we don't mean come just as you are. I mean, or it's come as you right. are until you get saved. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that better happen real quick. We're yeah, not yeah. patient with that. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, you know, we'll find someone else who wants to get saved. But if you do get saved, just so you know, you're probably going to have to cut all your long hair off. You're going to have to start covering up those tattoos on Sundays. Again, you talk about that 10% minimum. <laughs> yep, 10% minimum. If you miss yeah. a payment, that's 15%. Look at, right. look at Leviticus, bro. <laughs> Yeah, right. we got late fees, dude. <laughs> oh. For sure. It's funny because we can make jokes about it, but it exists. Well, because yeah. we did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We laugh because it's familiar. Yeah. So it's – so, it? so we've it, sort of – we've covered the – the yuck, the ick, the bad side of it, and and none of this that we've talked about is probably a shock to anybody listening. But I want to look at the the good side, the optimistic side, the positive side. Let's How do we that. create this kind of spiritual community that says Please. you are welcome yeah. here in your dysfunction? Talk you are welcome here in your disappointment. You're welcome here in your exhaustion. You don't have to come in and perform. If you are looking for a holy place to come in and lay down your burdens, sit on the back row for six months. If that's all you can do, it's okay. All you got to do here is rest, right? That's it. You have permission to be honest about your issues. We want you to show up, know that you're safe, confess whatever mess you're dealing with. That's what people are desperate for. People are yeah. desperate to show up somewhere, whether you call that church or AA or, man, we just meet up at the bar on Thursdays for happy hour. Oh, if yeah. I can show up there and we can have honest conversations and I don't have to hide who I am in order to be accepted by your group, that's church. Amen to that. No, that's yep. that's awesome, dude. <clears throat> And like I said, like me, me and Libby, I mean, especially, I mean, we're from the Bible Belt as well. I mean, there's a church every five miles in Indiana, you know what I'm saying? So like finding those open atmospheres, it's not, it's not easy, you know, it's really not. But you're doing it. You're doing it right here. You're creating it right here. That's, that's my goal for this podcast. Yep. You know, I, I sometimes feel bad because like, you know, trying to understand these other lifestyles and these other ways of living, you know, I would, I like not in a derogatory way, but like, I wish I knew more gay people. I wish I knew more transgender people. I wish I could talk about racism to more black people, to more Hispanic people. I I want, I welcome that kind of interaction, that kind of conversation, because those are the conversations that are really going to help things politically religiously you know in all the aspects that really matter the the things that are going to bring people together as opposed to divide people sure are going to be those types of conversations so yeah 
We'll look for them, have them on the show, invite gay people on your show and talk to them, invite black people on your show and let them talk yeah. and listen. Just, hey, tell me everything I need to know and just sit back and listen. That's the best advice I've gotten from anyone who's different than me is, man, white people do a lot of talking. <laughs> If we would just, and I'm saying we, including me, if we would just sit back and go tell no, it's me, true. tell me everything, <laughs> tell me your experience, tell me your story, tell me what drives you knucking futs, what do you want me to know? And I'm just going to sit here and shut up and listen because we've had the platform, we've had the stage, we've run the damn country for 200 years. It's time for other people to stand up and speak and us just sit back and listen for a long time, not five minutes, for a long ass time. I need yeah. somebody else to tell me the truth. Hey, I welcome that. <laughs> women, good. women, women, come on, Libby, and speak up. Like, we got to hear from <laughs> our women. My God, we need women. That's true. Please. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. All right. So, uh, speaking of white people controlling conversations, all right. <laughs> uh, this idea of thrift shop faith. Describe that to me. I don't oh, know. Man. I don't know how much longer you have. You can literally. Uh, um, I've got a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's go into this last category right here, um, sure. and then I'll have you tell people where they can reach you, and then we'll call that good for now. How's that yeah, sure. Absolutely. All right. Thrift shop faith. Yeah. So, you know, the idea of thrift shop faith is we – so there's a, a thrift shop in our local town, um, so and we love – to do the thrift shop thing, um, whether it's some funky piece of furniture that my wife loves and she wants to repurpose or some really cool jacket or, man, sometimes you find jeans with the tags still on them. You know, you just never know what you're going to find if you're willing to dig a little bit of a thrift shop. Um, but when it comes to clothes, it's extremely frustrating. At ours, anyway, there aren't, there aren't changing rooms. So you go, you look at the sizes, and if you really love it, you hope it fits. Um, you take it home, you leave the tags on it, you get to try it on at home. If it doesn't fit, you take it back, but you can't get a refund. You can only swap it for something else or you get an in-store credit. And it's just this really inconvenient thing when it comes to clothes. So I don't buy clothes from the thrift store. Fair enough. But for a long time I did. We were thrift store shoppers all my life growing up and it's just frustrating. You know, this doesn't, it's too small. It's too big. It's whatever. It doesn't fit. And that's the idea with my spirituality today going, you know, my parents have genuine faith. My grandparents have genuine faith. But my parents' faith does not look like mine. Yeah. My grandparents' faith does not look like mine. I appreciate everything they instilled in me, everything they passed down, the way they raised me, the best way they knew how with what they had at the time. But I'm not – if my – like my, my parents are pretty sure I'm not a Christian and that's okay. <laughs> you know. So, so this idea of thrift shop faith is saying I'm going to take the things that fit. The things that work for me, I'm going to hold on to. I didn't throw out everything. Um, I heard a guy say one time talking about deconstruction, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. There's a baby in that, there. Yeah. 
And so if you're <laughs> there's a holding on, yeah, there's a baby in there and that baby's name is Jesus. And so if Jesus <laughs> is still central to your story, hold on to the baby, just get rid of all the damn bath water. Yeah. And the truth is in Western, you know, this Americanized bastardized version of Christianity that we have today, there's a lot of bath water and you can drown in the damn bath water and never find the baby. Yeah. So, Thrift shop faith just says, I'm getting rid of all the stuff that doesn't fit. There are a few things that fit. There are a few things that are central to me, but most of it doesn't fit. And that's okay. Um, you know, and it's, it's in that chapter, um, there are sort of three big lessons for me when it comes to everyday spirituality. And I'll give you those real fast. Number one. It's man-made rules aren't for everyone. So sometimes we have man-made rules that the church, you know, these church constructs that work, but sometimes they don't work for everybody. Exactly. Number two is whatever has been crushed can be restored. So if your faith has been crushed, you can rebuild it. If your heart's been crushed, you can heal. If your life has been just totally blown apart by trauma that's happened to you or really stupid decisions that you've made, you can rebuild. And the last one is everyone belongs, but not everything fits. Yeah. And I think that's sort of the, that number three is kind of the, the thread throughout this whole book is there is space at the table for everyone. <laughs> and if that is true, we got to get rid of some bullshit that is keeping some people away. Yeah. Yeah, there needs to be. I mean, I remember not to get like spiritual or whatever. Oh no. When I, <laughs> oh no. Here it comes. <laughs> here comes a spiritual guy here. Uh, <laughs> when I first got saved, I mean, the, the thing that, and I know it, getting into like dreams and stuff like that can be kind of weird, but something that I really believe was a God moment when I first got saved is I had a dream that I was going into this big house that was being built and everyone was talking about this man that was building it but no one ever saw him and uh walking into this house it was just a giant think of like back in like norse mythology of like a big just eating area it's kind of like what it was just tons of tables and tons of people just different people hanging out eating communing if you will you know sure and um, for me, that's something that really struck me as like wanting to be a Christian is just the there needs to be diversity in the Christian realm. There, we need to understand that not everyone there's not a cookie cutter Christian, right? And that's something that we've been uniform to believe that there's this version of a Christian, um, regardless of what denomination, what church you go to, this is what a Christian needs to look like. But when we can move past that and we can say, okay, you look different than me, but you say you believe in Jesus, I trust you. You know, you're you're the master of your destiny. So, you know, I, I trust that you're okay with Jesus. You know, it, it's like we have to be able to accept people that look different than us than us and act different than us. And that's a whole, I, I listened to a podcast that was talking about the difference between black and white church cultures. And that was, that's something that has totally been a racial device that was caused by, um, 
by kind of like white supremacy type stuff. Like the black culture was not allowed into white culture church, and that's why the black church was created. You know, yep. so so to say to say that that wasn't created by racial des- divide, and then that was just a cultural thing. Like, yes, it's cultural, but it was caused by a racial thing. And the same with the educational system and all kinds of stuff. Like, there are a lot of cultural divides that have been caused by racism. But the second we can tr- learn to bridge those divides and say, you are different than me, regardless of your skin color, regardless of your sexuality, regardless of anything else, let's learn how to communicate. Let's learn how to fucking talk to each other. And let's learn how to understand each other and say, okay we might serve the same God. And if I'm wrong, yeah. if you're wrong, we'll find out in the end. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> is it really my job to sit here and tell you that you're a heretic? No. Nah. You know what your job is? Love your neighbor. Exactly. Love yourself. Love the God within you with all your heart. That's all you can do. Yeah. Greatest commandment. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. it. You got anything, Libby? The truth is this. We're all just trying to sort of untangle ourselves. I I think life is a lot like the cord on my earbuds. You put it in your pocket or you throw it in your bag and you go get it out right like five minutes later. And it's just this wadded, knotted mess. And I think life and spirituality – the whole journey is just trying to unknot the damn thing. I'm just trying to unwind. I'm just trying to straighten this thing out because it's so twisted up. Yeah. And none of us have the answers. But if we would – and here's the most – probably the most heretical thing I'll say all night and then I, I'll be done. Um, it is this. More than your faith – more than your politics, more than your successes or your failures, more than any of that, your humanity is what matters most to me. And if we would, God, if we would go back to like the golden rule of freaking Mr. Rogers and we would just treat people with kindness, period, because we don't know their journey, we don't know their history, we don't know the things they've been through, but if we would acknowledge the dignity of every human being that we come in contact with, we would be the best Christian you could ever imagine. I agree. At the yeah. end, I'm done. <laughs> Libby, you got anything? That's what works. Yeah, that's it. That's Kindness ought to be the religion. Love ought to be the religion. That ought to be the thing. Yeah. Amen. I think that'd be a great world. If we could live in something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's it. I mean, I talked to these kids not, today. I talked to a, a thousand. Dream. It's what? That isn't like a dream. Like that's that's logic. That is what works. Yeah. Kindness and love is what really works. Well, unfortunately, yeah. in, in today's climate, logic is kind of a dream. Yeah. Oh, kindness <laughs> is a dream, too. I, mean, I talked to a thousand high schoolers today at an assembly talking about suicide prevention. And I gave them all the stats and I gave them all the things to look for. And, he, you know, here are the, and here are the steps. You got a friend who's in mental health crisis. Here are the five things that you should do. And I finished up this 30 minute talk and I said, but you know what? You forget all that stuff. You can't remember the steps. Oh, my gosh. Was that is this does this mean they're in a mental health crisis? Or you can't remember all that stuff. Just be kind and yeah. know that. The adults that you're seeing on TV, in the news, are horrible examples of that. And the only way that we're going to fix it 
is for these teenagers, these kids that are coming up behind us to show us the way to choose kindness, to accept everyone. Yes. You want to make America great again, whatever the fuck that means. Just choose <laughs> kindness. Just be nice. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Yep. That's the thing for me. You get me fired up, start talking about kindness because we are <laughs> terrible to each other. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it true. is crazy climate we live in. Anyways, yeah. uh, Mr. Steve Austin. First of all, does anyone ever does anyone ever uh, uh, <laughs> ask you if you're a wrestler? A what? Do you remember back in like he's the, a, back in the nineties? He's 90s? a professional wrestler. Yeah, there was back, back in the nineties. There was a wrestler. His name was Steve Austin. <laughs> I'm just messing with y'all. Of course, people ask me that every damn day. <laughs> I didn't know if you kept up with it or not, but yeah, I mean, it's, that's crazy. There is, so like our generation, there it's stone cold. And then from like our parents' generation or older, there was this um, bionic man, the $6 million man from the 70s. There was this like super yeah. cheesy action sitcom TV show, and his name was Steve Austin. So I get it from two generations. My parents hate it. Uh, why did they name oh, yeah. you Steve? Why did they do it? <laughs> anyways tell us where can uh people reach you where can they find your books your blogs your twitter your facebook do you do instagram <laughs> do you do uh snapchat <laughs> that stuff all i do all of the things you just listed except for snapchat um but the easiest way i'm not going to give you all those links the easiest thing to do is just go to imsteveaustin.com and you can get to all of that from there you can get to the books you can get to me on social media you can email me please email me and let me hear from you i love my favorite thing in the whole world is hearing from people and hearing your stories and being invited into that that is holy holy ground so um yeah just go to imsteveaustin.com and you can get to all the things and i i assume you have a tithe link right have a what? I assume you have a tithe link somewhere in there, the 10%. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, please click the donate button. Yeah, All right. for sure. It, it will automatically put your credit card number in automatically 10% right off the top. Right. <laughs> right. It just scans your account, your your bank account, 10% off of that. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, just for kidding. sure. <laughs> Guys, thank you. This was so much fun. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank yeah, it is. No problem. So yeah, and... Uh, Enjoy your week, and I, like I said, I will be 100, 100% pre-ordering your book just to kind of support you. I, I like what you're doing. And, uh, you know, until the next time you're on or, you know, wherever life leads you, God bless, man. Thanks. Back at you. I sure appreciate it. You guys have a great night. You too, man. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Libby. Bye-bye.